It's a mining town. That's right. It's a nickel mining town. So these are people who go to the supermarket with those yellow hats with the big light on the front. <laughs> this is like mask for mask in the women who married them. Oh, yeah. It's, it's a fantasy if, if that's what you're buying. But. I mean, it, it's a niche hit. I'm Trevor Campbell, and this is You Made Me Queer, the show where I say, who's the new girl? Then try and befriend her. Then try and destroy her. Then try and become her. Then buy a smoothie and forget all about it. That's right. Every episode, I invite a fantastic 2S LGBTQIA plus guest to point the finger of blame at who and or what made them queer. Hey, guess what? I tried to record this a little bit earlier. And as I sat down, two separate uh, people started using, respectively, a leaf blower and a lawnmower right outside my apartment. So loud, so loud. So I wrenched open my window and shouted, you homophobes. It was scathing and directed inwards as the best kind of anger is. Anyway, if you hear an errant leaf blower or lawnmower during uh, this recording. That's why they're they're doing it. They're landscaping. Who knows? Maybe hedge animals are in my near future. I'll keep you updated. Before we dive into today's show, a quick reminder, if you want to buy your tickets for You Made Me Queer's first ever live show, what? Yes, at Comedy Bar on Thursday, December 2nd at 8 p.m. The cabaret space is very small there, very small there, and we are in the middle of a covid fever dream. So seating is really limited, which is all to say, if you want to come, you should probably buy a ticket in advance. They are selling out right now. They're only $10, which is basically the price of a shawarma, a pumpkin spice, whatever, whatever. If you want to come, now is your time. I will also be giving away an enormous Bellwoods Brewery, Bellwoods Brewery prize pack. Thank you so much, Bellwoods Brewery, for the donation. That's a hard word to say. It's like rural. If you come, you will get to see and meet the wonderful Amanda Cordner. The show will also be recorded, uh, so if you heckle me, it will go down in history. What a special time we're going to have. But for now, let's get to my guest today. My guest is Fahrenheit. Yes, spelled Farah. N, as in middle name unknown, last name height. Oh, like Brooklyn Heights? Yes, it's Brooklyn Heights dang drag mother and an absolute drag icon. Thank you very much. So let's deep dive into that deep dish of a bio. Fahrenheit is the creation of artist slash choreographer Chantel Carr. Chantel with two L's, Carr with two R's, because she fancy like that. Through exploration and development, Fahrenheit has become a Toronto headliner for over 20 years. How long have you been a Toronto headliner? Fahrenheit has had the honor to be the only Canadian in 
history to have won two international Drake pageants. Yeah, that's right. No big deal. Miss Continental Plus and National Showgirl at large. Ooh, fun fact about me that you might not know. I, for one special summer, was a go-go boy and drag queen backup dancer. And we went to Miss Continental in Chicago. I wore navy blue pants and danced to Mary J. Blige. And if you saw it, I'm sure you thought, eh, that's not his calling. Uh, <laughs> and you were right. Let's go back to Fahrenheit. Well known for her hosting and mic skills, as well as stellar celebrity impersonations, stellar. Fahrenheit is a versatile entertainer on stage, bringing beautiful costuming and detailed performances to suit any venue or audience. Yes, 100%. Like, for example, TV, which we'll talk about in a second. Also, when not under the spotlight, Chantel uses her platform as a trans person to speak on women's empowerment and educate youth on the importance of trans acceptance and understanding. Absolutely. Work that should not have to be done, but guess who out there doing it? Chantel, aka Fahrenheit, because she's a community support. That's just how she rolls. She is currently a judge and choreographer on OutTV's smash hit drag competition reality show, Call Me Mother, which I encourage you to go watch very shortly after this podcast, available on OutTV in Canada and other platforms elsewhere. Google it. You will find it in a hot second because it is all over the news. I loved talking to Fahrenheit. It was a really, for me, very special conversation. I'm a mega fan. She's so gracious. She has a really great story to tell, really interesting curveballs that I did not anticipate uh, and I am grateful for, including nickel mining. Hmm? Nickel mining. You heard me and you will hear more. What are you waiting for? What am I waiting for? So let's go to my conversation with, did you hear the leaf blowers? Were they distracting? My conversation with the one, the only, Fahrenheit. You made me quit. You are so punctual. <laughs> yeah, I try to be. I'm very impressed. Well, thank you. Yeah, I, I, pageant training. It's that whole thing about uh, if you're on time, you're late. If you're early, <laughs> you're on time. And if you're late, don't bother. I love that. If you're late, don't bother. But most of your gigs, I mean... You're an evening gal, and this is, we're talking during the day, so kudos. <laughs> well, thanks to COVID, you know, drag is all time <laughs> of the day now, so. Yeah, honestly, right? You're doing those full drag at 10 a.m. Yeah, it's been fun. Well, I don't know if fun's the word, but it's been good. I mean, it keeps us busy. <laughs> I mean, listen, you're right. And now that you're, I mean, you've been a TV gal before, but now that you have this big new TV show coming out as well, you're going to have to be ready for media at any moment. Pretty much. And we filmed early too. Like my film day started, I think I was on set by 8 a.m. <gasps> so that was like up at 5.30 and then you know, by 6, makeup on, hair, like all that. Oh so I, you got God. used to sort of like adjusting your routine as necessary. That's incredible. So getting up at 5.30 and getting into full drag. Yeah. <laughs> You'll notice I uh, have a completely buzzed head. I love that. Thank you very much. Thank you. My prep time, I would say on a slow day, six minutes. Oh, <laughs> so really take your time and groom and, and preen. And, That's right. I love that. That's if she's getting ready. 
already, but you know, there we go. Yeah, this is. I mean, this is the only look I can bring to the table. The big cue ball. <laughs> That's not the only look. <laughs> That's right. Wigs, hats. There's always options. You can always accessorize. Yes, but how do I mean? Give me a bit. This is not going to be you teaching me how to be a fabulous drag queen. Although I wish it was. <laughs> how do I attach a wig to my head? Uh, well, the thing I learned recently is get a wig cap, and then they have these new non-slip wig bands. Oh. So yeah, you can buy them on Amazon. You can buy them at the wig store or whatever but they like you put them on like a headband basically and it keeps the wig from sliding off oh my god um, the old school method is a roll of duct tape wrap it around once <laughs> and then put your wig on but you know i mean to be honest the second one sounds more in my budget which is fair you know <laughs> you can't go wrong with duct tape when it comes to drag so i mean duct tape for anything i feel like it's the go-to it is it's the fix all of <laughs> all projects big and small big and small i'm sure a lot of duct tape was on set so, okay, good. So you're good. And you're in Toronto? I live in Whitby. So just outside oh, of the city. Yes. Whitby, the, the Hamptons of Toronto, the, the, <laughs> the country. Yeah, the small town areas outside the city. Night. How are you finding that? Is it more uh, serene? Yeah, I actually love it because it is quiet. So when I'm not on stage and I'm not in the spotlight, I get that quiet, pretty no low-key normal life i can do normal things whereas i found when i lived downtown yeah um just with the celebrity you get working in the village and in the scene people recognized you wherever you go and so it became less about living a daytime life and a show life it became i was sort of fahrenheit all the time yeah and that got to be a lot sometimes because you couldn't just relax and have fun and do things with your friends and sort of go unnoticed people were always kind of like oh i think i saw you there and i was like well that's fun but <laughs> right. Uh, sometimes you want a private life. Yeah, yeah. You don't want to be repping the branded bulk barn at like 8 a.m. on a Thursday. With 10 pounds of jube tubes. And, I mean, know. don't judge. I, well, they're going to, <laughs> and that's the problem. Everyone was judging. So I'm like, and with me, nobody knows. I can do what I want. Well, thank God some of this, uh, I mean, I don't know. You've had such an amazing long career. So you weren't always in like the social media era, which is pretty unforgiving as far as like sightings. Yeah, it is. Yeah. But now you can't do anything. Nothing. When I started drag, I don't even think there was cell phones. Like, I don't think, I don't think that was a thing. So there wasn't like videos of you performing or talking or interacting. It was like, which made it forgiving, right? Because yeah. you could have a bad night. You could say the wrong thing. You could get in a disagreement and it didn't haunt you for the rest of your life. Where now, one wrong word, one wrong outfit, one wrong music choice, and it will haunt you until the days you die. Right. It's going global. And I think it's a challenge too for those, those queens who are coming up now, because you kind of get, before you could cut your teeth and then when you were ready, get some attention. But now if you blow that first performance, people will find it. Yeah. Yeah. But I will say that now queens or uh, artists, I guess, find their footing on social media. So they start there. That's true. Right? They build a fan base. They learn from social media. They help each other. They get inspired by each other. And then when they're ready, they sort of jump into performance where we didn't have that. If you didn't go out and see it live, yeah, you had no concept of it. If you didn't ask a queen or you know a drag king or whatever uh -huh. in person, how did you do that? Where do you find that? Where do you buy stuff like that? You didn't learn it. There was no outlet to go, oh, I'm just going to type in where do I buy shoes and this size? Right. Where do I get wigs? Or, yeah. Yeah, yeah. How do I stick that wig to my big bald head? Exactly. I know what you mean, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and drag now, of course, you know, for people maybe who are younger listening to this, you might think drag was always mainstream, but that is a very recent occurrence. Wow. Yeah. Very, very recent. Like a, a RuPaul, I would say RuPaul really put it on the map on a global, in your face 
can't deny it, can't ignore it, can't overlook it anymore. Yeah. And I actually met Michelle Visage years ago at a gig I did. Ooh. And she said to me, she said, you know, the show is great and, and it has great success, but the show was never geared towards the LGBTQ audience. It was geared to small town, middle of nowhere America, where they had never seen or heard or have comprehension of drag. Oh. So it would open their eyes, create a conversation, make them go, oh, okay, and then find joy and entertainment out of it. I always take that with me as like, oh, okay, yeah, cool. That's really interesting because I think a lot of people have spoken about how drag race doesn't necessarily represent their idea of drag, or it's certainly a very specific flavor of drag. Absolutely. And because you were in the game so long before, it must have been in interesting to see an art form that you knew so well. Like, did you feel, I mean, you feel a bit of ownership over it maybe. So then to see it shared in a specific way, what was that experience like? To be honest, I, I looked at it as all light is positive light. You know, that, that mm -hmm. thing about as, as long as people are talking, let them talk good or bad. And so I thought it was, a, for me, it was that kind of thing. Maybe I would never be on the show because me as an artist and my drag is not aesthetically what they're looking for. And that's fine. It is what it is. Their loss. Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> even if it isn't their loss, it, it, you know, it's my loss too. But they created a show. They have the, the choice to choose and pick who they want to be on that show. All I'm thankful for is by having that conversation and creating the show, they have opened doors. Yes. They have created a larger want and thirst for drag on many platforms. And then the reality is you get those those budgets from the Rue Girls and most people go, I can't afford that. But I can afford somebody local who looks good and does the job and shows up and will be in drag and we can still talk about that. So, I mean, it has benefits. It has, you know, everything. There's a good and bad to everything. Sure, 100%. And so maybe that's the perfect segue because we're talking about, you know, secret communities and different communities and being introduced and, and dog whistling that only certain people can hear, which of course, as we know, is how we became queer. Yeah. So, you know, when we, yes, of course, when we were growing up, we didn't know all the sorts of um, signals that were in the air, you know, like with all those telephone towers going up. And, and now we know, of course, that those things were making good little children into queer monsters. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Perfect. So that's why I've called you here today, um, not just to talk about the start of my drag career, which is starting as soon as we're done this call. Perfect. But I wanted to give you the chance, Fahrenheit, you've yeah. had a mic in your hand so many times in your life, and I'm going to put it in your hand one more time okay. and beg you to tell me once and for all who and or what made you queer. Oh, I don't know that it was specific. Um, I mean, I always knew things to me I always knew things were different okay I didn't look at things the same and I knew uh so I identify as trans I don't mm -hmm. know, you know so like my entire life I knew in my head that I was a girl like I would go to school grade school like I remember grade two when you had like indoor shoes outdoor shoes mm -hmm. there was this girl in my class and she had like those little princess shoes with the little heel and those were her indoor shoes and it was <laughs> the best like, I, I used to stare at those shoes all the time. I used to ask to go in on, on recess to go to the bathroom and then run down the hall and put her shoes on. Yes. Just so that, yeah, like, so that no one knew because she wasn't wearing them. But it was just a thing I always knew, I think. And then... Do you remember what they looked like? Sorry, I'm still on those shoes. Like, color? Oh, yeah, yeah. they were white. Oh. They were, like, a white with a little bow on the toe. And then, yeah, just, like, I think they might have had, a, like, a 
uh, peep toe, like a little cut out. Oh, that's a bit daring for grade school. Yeah, I think they might have been like her first communion shoes or something like that. And <laughs> yes. she was, parents said, well, wear them because you'll never wear them again. So yeah. <laughs> she brought them to school and I got to wear them on recess when nobody knew about it. <laughs> yes, that's perfect. So you wanted indoor shoes like that. Absolutely. And now I have closets full of them. <laughs> yes, it does get better. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so that sounds like that's the first thing. It was the, the peep toe first communion shoe. Yeah, for sure. That started it. Okay, where do we go from there? Yeah, I think it was uh, finding dance and music probably was huge for me. Yes. So um, in high school, I started dance classes and that became huge. And at the time I was the, I think I was the only boy, there might've been a younger boy, but I was the only sort of puberty, pubescent boy in the studio. And so I loved it. I loved being around all the girls all the time and mm-hmm. the costumes and blah, blah, blah. And what I found myself doing was I would find or watch the best female dancer in the studio. And then I would go home and teach myself whatever she was learning because I didn't always learn the same things being a male dancer. Right. But for me, it was like, if she can do that, I need to do that. So I'd go home, teach myself, (laughs) work on, yeah, if she had a specific dance style or dance move that I couldn't do, I would figure it out until I could. So that was probably step two for me was that. Yes. Yeah. And this was this ballet tap and jazz or what kind of dance are we talking about? I was about? never a tap dancer. So I started with, uh, I started in a boys jazz class. It yes. was like me and a bunch of like brothers of girls that danced. It was like a free. So I started with that and then I got into jazz and then I got into acrobatics, which was oh, like amazing. gymnastics and dance put together. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, which led to like contortion classes and all that kind of stuff. So, which is like money in the bank for a drag career later. But yeah. when we're there, because I I went to music theater school, and so I know a lot of dancers. Yeah. Um, and one of my obsessions was the photography they had because they were studio dancers, and they would have these amazing group photos where they did like memory from Cats, and they're all in a black leotard. Yeah. Like, do you just have albums full of these? Probably somewhere. I mean, I don't yes. look back on that stuff a lot, but they are. I mean, there are photos. There are like VHS. They used to like I used to compete. I was a competitive dancer, yes. so the competitions would film your performances. We had recitals, all that kind of stuff. Oh my god! So all that's on video, VHS somewhere hidden in a box. <laughs> yeah, perfect, perfect. We'll get those later. And then acro. So you had all these tricks, right? Yeah. So did you want to be a dancer as your career? As a child, I did. That was my mm-hmm. plan. Like I knew before I even took class, my goal was. I remember. I was young, like Wonderland in the day used to have these shows in the castle, these big like dance production shows. Yes, I remember. I used to pray and tell everybody, I'm one day I'm going to be in that show. I'm going to dance in that. And I didn't, wasn't even taking class yet. I had just decided that that's <laughs> what I wanted to do. Yeah. And so, yeah. So then I took dance in high school and then I went to college for dance. Oh, great. Yeah. Which is where I came out. Um as gay at the time, because mm-hmm. I didn't have terminology for much more than <laughs> gay. Yeah. Right. Trans. I know trans wasn't a word then. Yeah. Yeah. So gay, straight, lesbian, I guess. And then I left college and uh, I got hired by Cirque du Soleil, actually, as a flexible dancer was the term. Oh, my God. Yeah. So before we go there, coming out, because you were in a dance program. Yeah. So I'm guessing it was, you know, a little more arts accommodating or like... Um... Except the arts program was located in Sudbury, Ontario. Oh, okay. So yeah. for the people Mecca. outside... <laughs> yeah, the Mecca for something. For people not familiar with Sudbury, famous for a giant nickel, which sort it's of... a mining sim- town. That's right. It's a nickel mining town. So these are people who <laughs> go to the supermarket with those yellow hats with the big light on the front. <laughs> 
This is like mask for mask in the women who marry them. Oh yeah, it's it's a fantasy if if that's what you're buying. But. I mean, if it's a niche hit, but then you were there coming out. So how was that? Yeah. Did was it? Did it feel okay? Uh, I, I don't know any different. So yeah. it was it was slow moving. Like it wasn't a, like today I'm gay. Let's do this. Yeah. Um, I was one of two boys in the dance program, and the other guy was not. He had a girlfriend. Oh, wow. Yeah. The straight dudes cleaned up in the arts programs. Oh, absolutely. So, <laughs> yeah. And so, I again, I became friends with a couple of the girls, like, in, on the, you know, in, in my classes. And they mm-hmm. were like, oh, let's go to this coffee shop, whatever. And we went to this coffee shop. And there was this very out and proud gay guy that worked at the coffee shop. And he was super sweet and super flirty. And I didn't know any better. And one night it was like a Friday, I think. And he sat at our table after a shift and he was like, Oh my God, you should come out with me tonight. And I was like, well, where are you going? He's like, Oh, just to this little club. You should come. And I was like, okay, sure. Whatever. And the girls are like, Oh, well, we're going to head back to like dorms, you know, whatever. And I was like, okay, cool. Well, I guess I'm going to this club. No idea what to expect. Right. Did um, you know he was flirting with you? No, okay. completely oblivious. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm not even and young. Um, <laughs> so the gay bar at the time was under the courthouse. Oh so we go God. up to this. Yes, it was crazy. We go up to this like huge municipal building, and there was like an alleyway, and then in the alleyway there were stairs down, and it went, and then there was literally it was like a black door, and a guy standing outside it, and the, he was security, and he stopped me, and he said, "Do you know what kind of club this is?" Mm-hmm. And I was like, "No, but I'm here with Tim." He's like, "Okay, I just don't want any trouble from you." And I was like. Okay, I don't know what that means. And then I walked in and then I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> I see. I got this figured out now. Yeah. And it felt, <laughs> I mean, it was that whole like, I was a minnow in, you know, the shark tank. It was just oh like God. all these guys I had was overwhelmed, didn't know. Yeah. But it sort of felt comfortable. It was like, oh. Right. Something, it was all, I remember the first time I went to a gay bar, which was Buddies and Bad Times in Toronto. Oh, God I love bless that. Buddies and Bad Times. Yeah, and I walked in, I was, I don't know, barely 18, and they were playing the Spice Girls, and I was just like, I'm not quite entirely sure what's going on, but I know people get, yeah, this is my experience. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Spice Girls, of course. Absolutely. But you were under a courthouse. Was there, was there like a cell? No. No, it was literally like two rooms. So there was like, you walked in, there was a bar with a couple of tables. And then they had like one big area that was like a dance floor. And literally there wasn't like a DJ. It was like a ghetto blaster with dance mix 90, never your mind. And and it was that. You just like dance. It was just like play, play through, next CD, play through. Yeah. And so I think I spent the whole night dancing. I had like the best time. That sounds amazing. Now, here's the thing. Again, as someone who went to music theater school, being at like a club or something and dancing, that's when all the dancers, you know, you're not just like casually moving. They're like, step ball change triple pirouette like did you show off or yeah. was there yeah there was a handspring um i probably did, i probably no there wasn't acrobatics yeah <laughs> but i probably did um you know give a couple you know show that i yeah, knew what i was doing please. because yeah. I was, later on i ended up go-go dancing at the club and that wasn't even really a thing but i started yes. go-go dancing there too on the weekends oh my god yeah because it was like i was always dancing people would just kind of stop and watch and it wasn't like an intentional thing. It was just, I could be myself and I got to dance, which is something I loved. And I think it just yeah. sort of, the music overtook me. And then 
time to put a show on. And cool to find club culture then, because you already spoke about how you were dancing one way at the studio, but then you would go home and dance kind of the way you really wanted to dance. Yeah. And then one of the cool things about club culture or, or dance, you know, going out to dance is that you can figure out like, how do I move? Yeah. It was very cool. Yeah. Which is a, a question is also like, who am I? Like the way you dance is, I feel like dancing is a very personal thing. It's like singing. I agree. Yeah. It's an expression of movement. Like it's an expression of love in your body. To me, that's how I describe it. Like it's letting your body move what feels good and what feels sexual or exciting or whatever emotion you want to feel. You can put it to music and dance through it. So yes, yes. Okay, so you now let's go back. So you flourished through you were go go dancing under the courthouse. You <laughs> flourished through the Sudbury Mining Dancers Program and then off to Cirque du Soleil. So what happened next? Uh, I got in a car accident. Oh, so this yeah, I got in a car accident, um, a really bad one. They thought I broke my neck, so I had to rehab and do physio and all that. So I didn't break my neck, but it was oh, it was God. pretty serious. And I was out of commission. I wasn't dancing. I wasn't doing any of that. And so that sort of gave me a like, well, what am I going to do? I need a creative outlet. I wasn't really dancing at the time. I wasn't doing like any acrobatics or anything like that. And I went back to Sudbury and they had brought from Toronto drag queens in. They had brought the great imposters with like Dale Barnett and Terry Stevens and Georgie Girl and Rusty Ryan. And they had come to do a show uh, the gay bar had now moved to a new location, but they had brought the, these entertainers in to do a big floor show. Wow. And so I went and saw it, and I was like, oh my God, this is iconic. This is epic. Was that your first time really seeing queens or, or drag performers? I feel like I had seen them before. Like, I think because I had been out downtown and I had seen them. I was kind of at the time seeing this guy in Hamilton, mm-hmm. and we had been to a club in Hamilton, and there was a couple of queens there that I was like, wow. Mm. But I think it was the spectacle of the size of what the Toronto Queens brought. It was like, it looked like a Las Vegas show. Like they had rented a ballroom at the big hotel and they had yes. like pyrotechnics and it was celebrity lookalikes. And it was like, it was literally Vegas to me. And I was just yeah. in awe and had decided, oh my God, like this could be the perfect outlet. Cause it can be, I can use my theatrical side. For me, I think without even realizing it, it resonated the gender thing. I can blur the gender line. Right. And obviously by this room full of people, it's acceptable if I do it in this this manner. Mm-hmm. So like the shoes that I've always wanted to wear, I can do that. Oh my God. I can dance like a girl and that's going to look great and they're going to want that. And so then it was like all these lights started, like all the switches started ticking on. I was like, oh, 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 okay. Yeah, that's right. I guess, uh, especially in a community like that or, you know, in an era like that too, it was, well, the I think that the public consciousness of drag was very small. Yes. But still, it was, it was definitely like a platform for you like you said to try that stuff on like literally and figuratively yeah yeah exactly it really was like for a long time i was just a drag queen Mm -hmm. i was fahrenheit at night and i was somebody else during the day and then and i was great with that and then Mm -hmm. eventually like drag just took over i didn't want to be out of drag i didn't want to not feel that energy and feel that vibe around myself so i love that okay so now so was Cirque du Soleil before drag or after drag or during? Before. Okay. Before. Just and like just before, sort of when, when I got injured from Cirque, because Cirque is so demanding. Like, mm. I loved, and I, I think, I mean, sad, I hadn't, I, like, I had a car accident and it went really badly. But had that not happened, obviously, my trajectory would have been very different because I was so committed to being in that show and 
and the training and the hours and the, you know, all of it that I don't think I would have taken time to explore drag because yeah. I had an outlet to perform. And so when that was taken away from me, I really wanted something to have. Like, I love the attention of being on stage and performing and working at something and perfecting something and making it a performance. And so when I saw drag, I was like, well, wait a second, I could do that. Yes. I've been taught theater makeup. I've been taught costuming and I know how to move and I, you know, I could probably style a wig and whatever, whatever. So, Yeah. I mean, it's perfect. Okay, so so to recap so far, we had the, the shoes to start. Yeah. Then I want, I mean, dance in general. So the dance classes. Yeah. Then I want to specifically blame Tim. I want to shout out Tim because he is the one who took you to the courthouse bar. Yeah. It was called, at the time, it was called D-Bar. Uh, what's the D stand for? Yeah, I don't know. I don't think I ever knew. <laughs> I mean, I'm uh, sure we know. We just can't talk about it. I'll give you three guesses. <laughs> <laughs> I actually didn't click into that till right now. I was like, oh, wait. <laughs> it's for defense because it's a court. There we go. There it go. was the defense attorney's room. Safe for radio. Yeah, yeah. there we go. <laughs> you made me queer. You made me queer. We'll be right back. And now back to more You Made Me Queer. Perfect. Okay, so we had that. So we had Tim and D-Bar, and then that drag Vegas-style drag show that came up to Sudbury, of all places. Yeah. Okay, so yeah. that's, a, that's a pretty... I like that list a lot so far. Where do we go next? <laughs> um, well, I guess drag. That, yeah. like, that really, it started from there. So I was, again, I was dating this guy in Hamilton, mm-hmm. and he had done drag, uh, like just gone to a club and drag. It was that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And so by now I've been out in Toronto, like I've been in the, not in drag, but I've gone out into the village and sort of seen, like been to Woody's and all that and seen those queens. And like the show in Sudbury was very celebrity impersonation. Okay. So it was catered to an audience that didn't understand drag, but they could understand, oh my God, that's a man, but that man looks like Cher or Madonna or whoever. And so that makes, and I still love that art form of drag. But then after going to the, you know, to the village and seeing like just beautiful queens and going, oh my God. So yeah, I went to Le Chateau and I bought the same dress I had seen this queen in Toronto wear. I was like, oh my God, if she can wear it, I can wear it. Yes. Rip that off. Yeah. And then. <laughs> R.I.P. Le Chateau. Yes. And uh, at the time, those like platform, those, they're actually popular again. Those like platform plastic sole with the stiletto heel. Very RuPaul kind of yes. shoes. Yes. Yes. Le Chateau used to sell them. And I had a small enough foot I could get in. Perfect. So I bought shoot, like, yeah, so I bought shoot, which were actually white with a peep toe, funny enough. Oh. And like, again, all these things are- <laughs> It's all connected. It is, and I never realized it until today. <laughs> um, yeah, so I bought shoes and I bought a dress. I went to a costume shop and bought a wig. Um, and I had already known some makeup stuff and I had like full coverage because of Cirque and because of theater and dance. Right, right. So I already had the foundation. So I would just went and bought eyeshadow and-, and lipstick and all that kind of stuff and just started playing and you know yeah and that started it i was dating this guy and he said let's go to the club tonight um in drag and i was like okay cool so i brought all my stuff and Mm -hmm. we painted in his basement Mm -hmm. and we had to wait till his parents left because they didn't know he did drag yes 
And then we snuck out the back and like ran down the street on our little drive. <laughs> yeah. And then jumped in the car and drove to the club. Yeah. And you, it was a drag night. Like you weren't performing. You were just sort of there in drag. No, yeah. yeah we were just there. We just went to go and, and be a part. There was a show on. Yeah. And he knew some of the queens in the show. Nice. So he's like, well, why don't we just get in drag and go see them? And I was like, okay, cool. Let's do this. Great. You had the small feet too. Cause my, <laughs> I have a friend who wanted to start doing drag and he had big honk and like size 13 men's shoes and trying to find like a nice peep toe <laughs> to use your shoe was like impossible the freaking holy grail you could not yeah, do I'm it. like a, i was i'm like a 10 woman's 10 11 okay um but when i was young i was definitely like a, an easy 10 because i was smaller and yeah. Easy 10. So it was like, oh, is, if they have a 10 in stock, I can jump in it. And so Get it. I use that to my advantage too often. Easy 10 is possibly my drag name. Oh. So you started going to these clubs in drag. And then how long before you got up on stage? I don't really remember. I feel mm. like it was one of those one of those experiences. I was out in drag and someone said, hey, yeah. do you want to do a number? And I was like, but so by this time also like i've decided like i need a new look every time so i'm i'm at le chateau on the regular and that's right sponsorship provided by le chateau for the beginning of your career yeah they start, <laughs> if it wasn't for them uh i wouldn't have happened because yeah sure. I, I was all about the because they had like in the day they did like patent leather and vinyl and... they were very affordable and chic and, and not a lot yeah, of stores well, it was just like they had like a club wear yeah right it wasn't yeah. just like every day there was always like sparkle or sequin or glitter and i like i had bought like black patent leather yes. black patent leather dress and it was amazing but you wouldn't find that anywhere you know fears or anywhere else didn't have something like that but oh, no, Chateau carried all this really cool edgy stuff so that was the like go-to place to buy and i could fit it at the time so yes. i was like ha i'm on it <laughs> take it yeah and i've spoken to some other queens who've told me the same thing like it just resonates in a way people can see that the, you know, I, I want to say star quality, but also like something coming alive in you in a special way in that, that you just get pulled up on stage. I mean, it's just yeah. almost out of your hands by that point. Yeah. Which was, I mean, which was great. And so yeah. it actually caused a rift between me and my boyfriend at the time because they, I was going over so well. Right. Cause you were both a drag. Yeah. But because, and then because I had dance training and all that stuff, so I could do a kick to my head and I could do a split and a cartwheel and a whatever. And he wasn't able to do all that. So then it became like, they would say, oh, you should come back. And they wouldn't say much to him or oh, no. they would fawn and praise. And I was like, didn't really, yeah. So. I mean, rookie mistake. You do not want to be the sidekick to the girl with acro training. Yeah. Don't do it. Yeah. So. I mean, and so I guess the relationship probably didn't last. It didn't last very long. No, no, no. And I don't even know. I don't know if he does drag anymore, to be honest. Hmm. I'm not sure. If you're listening, send an email at youmademequeer@gmail.com. <laughs> Let us know how the Drake career is going. You can be next week's episode. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. We're going to bring you on in. So then drag and superstardom and here we are. Sure. Did we miss anything? Um, this is your chance to blame. It's not blame. It's definitely not blame. It's <laughs> no, I know. Credit I know. Work, yeah, giving credit, credit. where credit I think my biggest, um, I would say the biggest catapult, there's probably two and they were caused by the same group of people was I was too afraid to perform in Toronto because okay. I didn't think I was pretty enough or good enough or whatever. And I was dating somebody different in Kitchener at the time. And Kitchener, they had Kitchener Pride in this huge park. And they had hired as their like guest drag artist, Chris Edward mm -hmm. from Toronto. And so it was me and my partner and then Chris, and there might've been a couple of other local girls. And then 
I, again, did, I think it was just after Britney Spears came out. So, like, hit me baby one more time. Oh, yeah. And so I had, like, the little kilt and the shirt and the little bra. And I was doing, like, the handsprings and all, just like her video. Like, I thought yes. you couldn't tell me I wasn't Britney Spears. And Chris Edwards said, if you ever come to Toronto, let me know because you're a star. And I was like, oh, whatever. And then I went and I called her and said, oh, I'm coming. She's like, well, come to my show. I'll put you on stage. And then that started it. And then I met the Freaks, uh, which sadly is not a thing anymore, but Felicia, Sylvia, and Amanda, who were at the time, one of the hottest acts on Church Street. They worked as a trio almost every night in a different club with their act. Nice. And I met them. And so the same thing, they were like, come out whenever you want. Or one of them would need a night off because they had a private gig. They would say, hey, Fahrenheit, do you want to fill in? Cover that show for us. Nice. And I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll be the third person. I can learn. I watch the show all the time. I know your group numbers, whatever, whatever. So that kind of started it. And then Chris Edwards introduced me to pageantry and uh, Continental. Okay, amazing. He kept saying, you look like this girl at Continental, Mimi Marks. And I was like, I don't know who that is. So she went to the pageant and brought me a program with Mimi Marks on it and a magnet and said, this is for you. Take this, study and learn, which is perfect for me because that's how I learned drag, study and learn. Perfect. And so that's, that guided my career trajectory into pageantry and yeah, continental and all those things. You really had, it sounds like a lot of people all along the way who, you know, you, like you said, you were a little nervous sometimes to take that next step. And you always had someone saying, you have to, you're too good. Yep. Yeah, it was very that. Like, it really did take a community to build me. Yeah. And I'm definitely always thankful for that because, and I try to be that community for other people. Like, try, yeah. try again. You know, don't give up. Like, yeah, there's always, set, we all have setbacks, but that's life. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And it, it, that's interesting too, because now you have a very famous drag daughter. Yeah. So that's a great example of you giving back, I think. And and people know Brooklyn through RuPaul's Drag Race, probably on an international scale, but that's your kid. You own her. Uh, I would say I own her. But the, <laughs> no, thing, I know, the, I know. the reality, My words. the reality, yeah. But the reality about Brooke and I is it's actual real. Like, yeah. I talk to Brooke, if not every day, every other day. And every fashion choice she makes, I make, we chat with each other. Do you like this? What do you think? Like, mm -hmm. it's not like, I just threw her into the world and she did it on her own. And, and she is very talented and deserving of everything she's been given. Yeah. But I do help her. Like it is, it is a realistically, it's a real relationship and we help each other. So yeah. for example, call me mother, like this kind of celebrity and popularity is all new to me. So I've been calling her going, okay, how do I, what do I? And she's like, okay, well try this, do this, da, 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 talk to so-and-so. And I'm like, thank you. Like, the students teaching the teacher because this is new to me. But when you were new, I taught you the things I knew. So it's a really give and take that's really amazing. Uh, so sweet. So nice that you guys can share. Yeah, this new weird frontier of drag TV, which is so popular right now. Yeah, crazy. And uh, I mean, unfortunately, it did mean you waking up at 530, but hopefully it was <laughs> worth it. It was worth it. It's always worth it. Uh, okay, so I think we've covered it all. So before I let you go, and I really don't want to, because I feel like you have a lot of very juicy stories that you are, <laughs> you skimmed <laughs> over <them>. always, <laughs> always, always. I want to go back to D-Bar for about 20 minutes. But before I let you go, do you want to play a game? Absolutely. Oh my God. Great. Okay. So this game is called Queer, Queerer, Queerist. Queer, Okay. Explain. It's very hard to say. Okay. So basically, I'm going to give you three things. I need you to put them in order from least queer to most queer and tell me why. All right. Any questions? Probably, but we'll figure it out. <laughs> yeah. Ask them <laughs> after. Okay. Are you ready? Sure. <laughs> okay. Thing number one. 
the Blue Man Group. Remember the Blue Man Group? I do. Banging on the drums with the paint, right? That's fun. Yeah. But why are yeah. they blue? They're ba- there's paint everywhere. Banging drums. Yeah. Okay. Thing number two, candy cigarettes. So not necessarily Popeye brand. Oh. I mean, whatever you like to smoke. Maybe there was a, men- a child's menthol. There used to be chocolate ones. I remember those as a kid. There were chocolate ones too. Yeah. Okay. So, or the, the chalky kind of powdery candy ones. You choose. I remember, the, I remember the Popeye's one. But I do remember as a kid, there was chocolate. What a weird thing to give children. Okay. And thing number three. Uh-oh. <laughs> the dance move. The twist. Okay. So the three things, just to recap while you think. Yeah. The Blue Man Group, candy, cigarettes, chocolate or powder, and the dance move, the twist. Least queer to most queer and why? Okay, I'm going to say the cigarettes are least queer. Okay. Because, uh, I mean, there's probably something about oral fixation in there, I guess, <laughs> if you look hard enough. Yeah. That makes them least queer? Yeah. Okay. I don't know, but I think you give them to children. So children don't have that concept. And I think that's true. When you look at the negative effects of smoking now, that makes it less, right? They don't make them anymore because it's less cool of what it promotes. So let's that's say true. that's true. That's true. It is drugs for children. Yeah. Let's be responsible adults ish. And uh, <laughs> yeah, maybe uh, we'll put twist in the middle. What was okay. it? Queer. What was the, what was Queerer. the middle term? Queerer. Um, because I think it was, although was done like boy and girl dancing together. I think the movement in the hips. Yes. And allowing men specifically to be free with their bodies and explore movement that wasn't just step touch, a little bit of sway, but they yeah. really had to like let loose and, and break some hip action out. <laughs> so I'm gonna put that in the middle. It's a gateway drug it is. For, for a nice like church going straight man. In the 50s, that's that it got you from there to D-bar. That's what happened. <laughs> that's the only step in between. That was it. Church twist D-bar. Okay. Yeah. And then queer. Super queerest? What was it? I like super queerest better, but it's just regular queerest. Would be the Blue Man Group. I think you put five guys on stage covered head to toe in makeup in unitards. It's pretty gay to me. And then have them do a show and bang around and cover each other in loose fluids. To me, it's it's a step away from porn, if you ask me. Or maybe that is your porn. It is maybe porn. Because I was going to ask, is Blue Man Group drag? But maybe it's just porn. Maybe it's both. Maybe it's drag porn. It's drag porn. Why should we have to choose? Isn't that what we're fighting for? Exactly. Perfect. No choice. Whatever you enjoy, make it yours. That's right. Pride 2022. Blue Man Group. Exactly. They're the feature actresses. That's right. So let me just check uh, my my judge rubric. You're familiar with this as a studio dancer. Yeah. Uh, a plus, A plus, A plus. Fantastic. 100%. You are, in fact, Fahrenheit, a queer person. No way. I've been doing it wrong my whole life. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it. Um, thank you so much. Thank you. Uh, so before I let you go, anything you want to plug? I will. Well, definitely, I want to plug the new TV show that I am judging and choreographing on. Call Me Mother, which will feature on Out TV, Apple TV in the US, and Fruit TV in the UK. So check it out. Also check out all the contestants, a huge variety and array of different types of queer, different types of drag, different types of art. All of them equally important, all of them equally valid, all of them incredibly talented and beautiful. Uh, Follow the Mothers. It's got features Peppermint from RuPaul's Drag Race US. It features Crystal Mm -hmm. from RuPaul's Drag Race UK. And it features Barbada, who is a, uh, not Toronto, sorry, Montreal and French Canadian icon and diva extraordinaire and probably one of the most amazing people ever. She's a school teacher or was a school teacher during the day. So her 
impact and able to pass on information and lessons is just exceptional and so amazing to watch. Uh, yeah, check it out. It's going to be a great show. There's viewing parties. Go support the entertainers and the artists and the girls and have the best time. Love yourself. Love drag. And we'll see you around. Oh, my God. Yes, it's looks incredible and you've heard it here long before she was a judge on call me mother she was uh in the judge's basement in Sudbury <laughs> at d-bar so dreams do come true so i want to thank you so much fahrenheit i had a blast talking to you i had a great time thank you for having me and of course and i want to let you know i was very queer when this conversation started but talking to you has made me queerer than ever okay well when you try a wig on later i want a picture i'll send you a picture don't be too cruel first but go easy on me i promise i will gentle judge okay thanks a lot i thank you bye all right you sweet little peaches that's our show as always you can email me at you made me queer at gmail.com rate review and subscribe to this podcast really 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 if you've done it, thank you so much. If you haven't done it, it takes two seconds, truly two seconds, and it means a lot. It goes a long way. Please do it. I'm so grateful. And if you want to come, buy your tickets too. You Made Me Queer live at Comedy Bar on Thursday, December 2nd at 8 p.m. This is in Toronto. If you're not in Toronto, if you're in, say, California, ooh, just hang on till 2022 because we have some secret news for you later. But for now... Cue credits. You Made Me Queer is created, produced, and edited by me, Trevor Campbell. Our theme song is by Critty. For more from music, check out lavenderbruisers.bandcamp.com. Our website is youmademequeer.com. Our Instagram and Twitter handles are at youmademequeer. New episodes of You Made Me Queer, for now, come out every Thursday. Ooh, it's too much. And from the bottom of my big bent heart, thank you so much for listening. Until next time, remember, we're here, we're queer, and it's your fault.